sometimes when we come to the Bible, we can expect um, to see that all the people in there are kind of perfect and we need to be like them. Yeah, they don't have any struggles, they don't have any doubts, they never do anything wrong, they don't have any questions, and we're supposed to come to the Bible, look for the heroes and try and be like them. But actually, this morning, once again, we come to Elijah and we see that he is someone who, like all the other people in the Bible, struggles. He is somebody who finds things hard. James, in the New Testament, puts it like this. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. He struggled. He has questions. He has doubts. This morning, we come to this passage in 1 Kings 19, and we see that Elijah wanted to just give up. He wanted to end it all. He wondered, is this worth it at all? Is it worth it at all? Because, well, you know, what I thought was going to happen hasn't happened. Here we see Elijah is exhausted. Here he is disappointed. He is fed up. He is despondent. Now let's pause a minute and ask, have you ever felt like that? Are you feeling like that now? Feeling like giving up? So many questions and doubts and worries. You're feeling disappointed with God? You're feeling exhausted? If you haven't, or if you don't feel like that today, at some point in your Christian life, you will. That is life in this world. Life is full of struggles and questions and tough times. But when we go through those times, our view of what God is like can become distorted. So we can forget what he's like, or he becomes somebody different in our mind to what he truly is. And so this morning in this chapter, we're going to see how God deals with somebody who's struggling with doubts, somebody who's got questions, somebody who is in a dark place. Now, we need to know, don't we, what uh, God is like. And so this morning, if you've got those questions and those doubts and those struggles, let's see, well, God, what are you like? God, um, show me who you are. So we have three things to see about God in this passage. I'm sure there's many more, but we'll just focus on three. The first is this. If we're feeling despondent, if we want to give up, if we are full of questions and doubts, know this. We have a tender God. We have a tender God. Now, I know I did a quick recap earlier, but just another quick recap so we're all um, up to speed on what's happening in Elijah's story. The nation had turned away from him, remember, to other gods, to the Baals. And um, this had been led by King Ahab and Queen Jezebel. They wanted to totally destroy any worship of the true God. And so they brought in the worship of Baal. And um, Elijah was sent as God's messenger to say, turn back to God. If you don't, I'm going to take away blessing from you. And instead of rain, there'll be drought. And so that's what happened. They didn't listen to God. They kept turning away. And so there was a drought for three years. There's no rain. And Elijah has had this battle with Baal on Mount Carmel and where he said, look, you call your God, I'll call on mine, and we'll see who sends fire. And we see that the God of Baal didn't listen at all, didn't respond. They were there for hours and hours calling on him, and there was nothing. And then in a moment, Elijah prayed to God, and the fire came. Last week, we saw uh, that um, Elijah then prayed for the rain to come back, and the rain came. And so Elijah was expecting next. Well, that's it. My work's done. We've seen in this massive way that um, God has answered prayer, that it is so clear to everybody now that God is real, God is true. Everybody's going to come and turn back to him, aren't they? Everybody's, it's going to be a revival in the land. This is going to be brilliant. And so he heads back 
He is waiting to hear that when Ahab gets back and tells Jezebel all that's happened, they're going to go, the Lord is king. Let's worship him. Let's get rid of Baal. That's what he's expecting. But what happens? Look at verses 1 and 2. Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, so may the gods do to me and more also if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by this time tomorrow. That is, Elijah, I'm going to kill you. So it wasn't, oh, let's bow down and worship the true God because we've all seen it, but I am not believing that. We're going to carry on with worshiping idols and, um, and you've had it later. I'm going to kill you. So after all that, after all he's done, after sticking his neck on the line, standing in front of the whole nation, he'd done what he'd been called to do, and so he is now hearing this and he's terrified. Look at verse 3. He was afraid and he arose and ran for his life and came to Beersheba. He runs a hundred miles south. That's quite a way, isn't it? hundred miles he runs and he leaves his servant and he goes further into the wilderness. Then Elijah says, Lord, you see it there in verse 4? He says, Lord, it's enough. Take away my life. I'm no better than my father's. Kill me. Just take, take my life. I, I've done what I can and it's not working. You know, there's no hope anymore for God's people. Just take my life away. He's left his servant. And that is his way of saying, I'm leaving. I don't need a servant. So I, I don't, I'm not in the ministry anymore. I'm giving up. And I'm walking away. Now take me. Can you see, here is Elijah. He is in a dark place. He is struggling. Now just as a quick aside before we look at how God deals with him. Here, God's, the, the people of Israel saw God do an amazing thing. They saw an amazing miracle, fire literally coming down from heaven to take up and burn up this offering. They saw the rain come because that's what Elijah said. And yet, they still don't believe. Maybe in your life, you've got friends or family who say, well, if God just showed up, or he did this, or he did that for me, then I believe. But, so, but the problem is deeper. The problem is deeper. And and maybe you're sitting here this morning saying, well, if God did this for me or God did that for me, then I believe. But the real question is, would you? Would you really? Because when Jesus came to earth and he showed everybody who he was, people still didn't believe. They were making excuses and reasons why they wouldn't trust in him. You see, we, the problem is deeper in our hearts. We need God to help us to see. And so if you're searching this one and wondering if this, if this is true, pray now, God, help me to see. Help me to trust. And he'll open your eyes to see. But how does God come and deal with this uh, servant, his servant Elijah, who is thinking of giving it up, wants to end it all? Well, there's two things he does here. The first thing he does is he helps. In a practical way, he helps. So God sends this angel. Angels aren't just walking around and suddenly said, oh, oh, there's Elijah, I might as well help him. No, he's a messenger from God. He is sent from God, um, and here he is, he's come. The angel is sent by God to help Elijah. And what does he do? Does he say, Elijah, pull your socks up? Or, you know, strap your sandals on harder. Does he say, come on, roll your sleeves up? What are you doing here? Get back. No, he doesn't do that. Does he say, how dare you give up on me? How dare you question me, Elijah? I am the Lord. Well, no. What does he do? Look at what he does. He said, um, in verse 5, he lay down and slept, and behold, an angel came, touched him, and said, arise and eat. He cooks him a meal. He cooks him a cake, and he says, look, 
eat this. It's very simple, isn't it? And then he lets him sleep. In the past, often when Christians have struggled and maybe gone into a period of darkness in their lives, Christians have been poor, really, at helping people in that situation. And they've maybe jumped straight and said, there's a spiritual problem, unconfessed sin, or there's a struggle, you've got lack of faith, and so sort it out. But look how God deals with somebody who's struggling. He says, go and rest. Have something to eat. We'll talk about it later. Rest now. Sometimes when we're feeling and we're struggling, one thing we need to do is rest. We need to just go and have a sleep. Maybe we need a break. Maybe we need to have a good meal. Maybe we need to go for a walk. Get outside. Sometimes what we need is, as God sent here, is a touch. Maybe we need a hug, or, or a, a better than a hug, a cutch, when we're struggling. God deals with him tenderly. Some people have said it in this way. Sometimes what we need isn't a lecture, but a lie-in. Sometimes what we need isn't a book, but a cook. Sometimes what we need isn't a counsellor, but we need a cutch. The last one was my own. <laughs> but it is, isn't it? We need, sometimes we just need that rest. And maybe today you're in a dark place and you're, you're exhausted. And you need just to get to bed earlier for a few nights, for a few weeks, and rest. You need to start eating. Maybe eating better. God in his kindness and his tenderness is saying, rest. Go for a walk. Take a breather. See, the Bible shows that as humans, we are spiritual beings, yes, but also we're physical and the two go together, physical, emotional, spiritual, all come together, and you can't separate them out. That's who we are. And so if in one place we're struggling, we're going to struggle in another as well. So if we're exhausted, we're going to be struggling spiritually. If we're struggling spiritually, it'll knock onto our physical as well. We, it can't be separated out. And so here is wisdom from God which says, do you need to rest? First of all, he practically helps. He touches him. He cooks him a meal, and he lets him sleep. And then what does he do? Well, after letting him rest, see what happens? In verse 9, um, Elijah carries on on the journey after a rest. He goes down to Horeb, and God asks him a question. Verse 9, what are you doing here, Elijah? And remember, God is omniscient. God knows everything. He's not asking Elijah that for inf new information. <laughs> he's not like, oh, oh, Elijah, what are you doing here? He knows why he's there, but he's asking that so that Elijah can unburden, so that Elijah can talk. So God helps him practically first, and then he's a listening ear. He says, Elijah, what are you doing here? And God just simply listens, and Elijah pours out his heart and his frustrations. Look to what he says in verse um, 10. He says, I have been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts. For the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, killed your prophets with the sword, and I, even I, only am left, and they seek my life to take it away. Look, I I've done everything. I've been so um, full of energy for you, Lord. And now God's people, they're, they're nowhere. We're nowhere better. We're just where we started, and it just seems pointless. It looks like the covenant is over. The promises you made, they no longer belong because we've, we've broken it. It is ruined. They've worked so hard. So he just, God just listens. He lets him talk. He doesn't say, well, hang on. No, 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 that's all wrong. He just listens to him. 
And he does it again later on, doesn't he? He says, what are you doing here again? There's wisdom here, and then there's a tenderness. It's a really good question to ask, isn't it, as well? Maybe that's an important thing, just to reflect on this morning in your heart. If you're struggling in a, in a, in a dark place, maybe we hear God's voice say to us this morning, what are you doing here? How have you got here? Just think, what steps along the way have got you to this position? Talk to me. Pour out your heart to me. God is a God who is tender. He listens. He cares. Can you see again that? There's no sermon here. Uh, there's no rebuke. He cooks him a meal. He touches him. He lets him rest. And he listens. That's a tender God for you. Now, is this the God you have in mind? Is that the God that you worship and praise? How does God deal with someone full of doubts and questions and wonders? He says, come to me. Listen. As Isaiah 42 puts it, this is where it talks about the servant, Jesus Christ. It says, a bruised reed he will not break. A faintly burning wick he will not quench. Those pictures, isn't it? a bruised reed. Look, you know, when you go for a walk and you see a plant that's bent over, basically it's, it just needs to be thrown away. But that's not how God deals with us if we feel broken. He, he doesn't want to just cast us away, but he deals with us gently. Or, or a wick um, that is about to go out, a wick on a lamp. You know, why is the, lip, li, uh, why is the um, wick about to burn out? Well, because the lamp's empty. This morning, are you feeling like you're running on empty? You're feeling tired and weary? Well, does Jesus care? We've got a tender God. There's no one too broken for him, no one too empty, no one who's gone too far that won't find a glorious welcome with him. Listen to how Jesus says it in Matthew 11. Come to me. Jesus is saying this to you this morning. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. I'm gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy, my burden is light. Sometimes we keep a distance from God because we fear his response. We wonder, What's he gonna how is he going to deal with me? But here we see the God of the Bible is one who says, come, burn, unburden your heart, talk to me, because we have a tender God. The second thing we see here about God, when we're in that place of, of struggle and darkness, what do we need to know? He's a tender God. Secondly, we've got a big God. We have a big God. Elijah's rested, and he carries on his journey. He's gone 100 miles south. Now he carries on another 200 miles south to Horeb. Now, Horeb might not be a name we're familiar with, but another name for this mountain is Sinai. That's a more famous name, uh, because Sinai is where God gave the Ten Commandments. That was the point where he made his covenant with his people. And he said, I will be your God, you will be my people. It's almost like the place where they got married. And so, uh, God is, um, that's God's special mountain in the Old Testament we see. And what does, Moses, uh, what does Elijah do? He goes up the mountain and he finds this cleft, this cave in the rock. And he sits in this cleft, in this cave. And he wants to experience God. He's got these questions, God, who are you? What are you like? What's going on? And so he goes to this mountain where um, God has met with his people in the past. In verse 11, uh, we're told that as he's there, the Lord passed by. And there was this great wind. The rocks were torn apart, but the Lord wasn't in the wind, we're told. And then there was this earthquake, 
but the Lord wasn't in the earthquake. And there was this fire, these massive, mighty, strong things, but the Lord wasn't in the fire. And then finally, it says, there was, the, uh, there was a whisper, a still, small voice. And that's when God spoke to him. Elijah covers his face and he goes out. Now, what's going on here? What is going on? What is God telling us in this passage? Well, there's a lot of things happening. There's these dramatic things. There's an earthquake. There's wind. There's fire. But God's not there. That's not how God speaks to him. And it's interesting because God has spoken through those ways in the past, and even in Elijah's life. But with Job, we see he speaks in the whirlwind. In Acts, we see the wind comes and breathes, and God is in the wind there. On Sinai in the past, what happened? God's presence descended on the mountain, and there was an earthquake. So God has visited it through an earthquake. Fire. Moses, remember how he met with God? The burning bush. God was there. We've seen Elijah already call down fire. He's used fire in the past. So what is happening? Because here he's coming in the still, small voice. One of the things that this is telling us is this. God doesn't work in the way we expect him to work. Let's not limit him or restrict him to how we expect him or think he should work. He's bigger than that. Elijah thought that the next part of the stage of the plan was revival in God's people. For them all now to come back. That's what's going to happen next. Surely that is what's going to happen. But that didn't happen. And because of that, Elijah is disappointed. This is how one uh, preacher put it. God hasn't let him down. His plan has let him down. And he thought his plan was God's plan, but it wasn't. God hasn't let him down. His plan has let him down. And he thought his plan was God's plan, but it wasn't. God doesn't come in the way we expect him to. He doesn't do things in the way we expect him. We expect fire, and then he comes in a whisper. We expect earthquake, and then he comes in a quiet way. He is bigger. He has seen it all. He's got bigger ideas at play. And we're about to see that God is still at work. His plan is still in place. That's what we're going to see in a moment. But in this time, let's see, God is a big God, bigger than we can think, bigger than we can grasp. Uh, remember the story of the missionaries, David and Sevilla Flood. I, I know I've said this uh, before, but in 1921, they went to be missionaries in what was then the Belgian Congo. And they went to share the gospel with some tribes over there, and they couldn't get into the tribe they wanted to because the chief wouldn't let them enter. But they had contact with that tribe through this boy who came to deliver them food. And they prayed for this boy, they witnessed him, they told him about Jesus, and eventually this little boy became a Christian. But not long after this boy became a Christian, a severe flood uh, died after giving birth to a little girl. His wife then dug a grave, buried his young wife there, and his baby, Aggie, he just couldn't deal with, couldn't bring her up. And so he gave her to be brought up by another couple. And David just said, look, God, you've ruined my life. We came up here to tell people about Jesus, and now look, my wife's gone, and I can't bring up my daughter. So their daughter was then taken back and brought up in the United States. Now, years passed, and we're wondering, looking at that, thinking, God, what are you doing? We were expecting an earthquake. We were expecting you to do mighty things, and, and what's happened? Well, one day in a, in a religious magazine that appeared in Aggie, the daughter's uh, mailbox, she, looked, she was looking through this magazine about mission, and she saw... Um, a picture of a grave, and on that grave was marked Severe Flood, her mother. And as she read the article, it said this, uh, Missionaries came to our area a long time ago. A white baby was born, 
the young mother died and one little African boy was led to Christ and the boy grew up and built a school in the village gradually he won his students to Christ the children led their parents to Christ and even the chief became Christian you see after years of bitterness David uh, read this as well after Aggie showed him and said and he could see wow this is what God was doing in the article it said today there are 600 African people serving the Lord because you were faithful to the call of God in your life and that's where David his heart was went back to God he saw what God was doing in the big picture Aggie eventually met the African boy and he was superintendent of a church in Zaire and um, there's, that was in that church it was over a hundred thousand believers as part of that church you see at the start we think God what are you doing but God is big he is working out different ways so instead of the earthquake he comes in a whisper now I don't know how this morning you are feeling disappointed with God maybe you had plans and those plans have changed and they haven't come through and we're wondering, God, what are you doing? Maybe you feel like God's let you down. But it's worth asking, isn't it? Has he let you down? Or have your plans let you down? Don't miss what God is doing outside of your plans and your thoughts. He's bigger than that. And we can trust him. So let's not restrict him. Let's not limit him. Let's pray, God, help us to see you're a big God who can do glorious things. You see, if you're here this morning, you're not a Christian. It's wonderful to know the comfort that you can trust in a God who works all things together for your good. That it's not just down to you and your decisions and your plans, but there's somebody else you can trust in. That is too big a burden for anyone to carry. But the God of the Bible says, trust in me, and I can take the dark things and make them light. You look at Jesus Christ, you look at the cross, you look at death, you look at hopelessness. And, we, and God's people, you know, they were thinking the Messiah is going to come in power. He's going to come and destroy the Roman army. But he didn't do that, did he? He came in a whisper. He came in a baby. And then we see through the death of Jesus, there's life and hope for all. We have a big God. So what do we need to remember about God when we're struggling, when we have these doubts? First of all, we have a tender God. Secondly, we've got a big God. And the last thing is this. We have a faithful God. Why does Elijah go all the way to Mount Sinai? Why there? Why that mountain? Well, that was the mountain, as I said, where God made a covenant, the promise, the um, promise with his people. And that's where God said, I will be your God, you will be my people. And so God asks him a second time in verse 13, what are you doing here, Elijah? And again, Elijah pours out his heart to him. And Elijah's discouraged. He's thinking, God, your plans have failed. Look at verse 14 again. I've been very jealous for the Lord of hosts and for the people of israel they've forsaken your covenant thrown down your altars killed your prophets with the sword and i even only i am left he's saying look the, the covenant's broken it's failed this plan that you said to send a savior and a rescuer through your people it can't work now because we've let you down and nothing seems to work if they can't believe in fire coming down from heaven what are they going to believe in i'm on my own here and now I want you to take me. Why have you come here, Elijah? You see, when God says that, he then speaks. He says, look, let me tell you what's going on. Verse 15 to 18. Return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus, he says. I've got some things for you to do. One of the things I want you to do is to anoint another prophet, Elisha. There's somebody else. You're not on your own. Not only that, but there's actually, in verse 18, there's 7,000 left who haven't bowed the knee to Baal. 
You feel like you're on your own, but I'm bigger than that. I'm doing more. Look, Elijah, the plan is not over. I have kept my promises. See, Elijah felt like God's promises were broken. He felt like that was it and it was over. And so he wanted to go to the mountain where God had met with his people. And he wanted to be reminded of who God was. There's a passage in um, Moses' life where he goes to the rock and up the mountain. He hides in the cleft of the rock. Probably could have been even the same place. And he says, God, I want to see your glory. Show me. And that's where Elijah was going. He said, I want something like that. I need to know who you are. I need to know what's going on here. Elijah felt like God's promises were broken. He felt like God had dropped the ball. He felt like there wasn't a plan. He felt like he was doing it all on his own. Have you ever felt like that? God, where's the plan here? What's going on? Why has this happened to me? Have you broken your promises? Are your promises not true anymore to me? But you see here is a reminder, God is still the God of the covenant. He's still the God of the promises he won't break. As you think through the promises of the Bible, that can give us real, uh, real help. He has promised us that the church will be victorious. The gates of hell won't prevail against the church. He's promised that he's bringing history to one great conclusion under the head of Jesus Christ. He has promised that Jesus one day will return to fix this world. He has promised that he has his people and he will save them without a question. He has promised to guard you and keep you secure to the end if you're trusting him this morning. He has promised that the work he's begun in you, he will bring it through to completion. And so this morning, if we are feeling, it doesn't feel like those promises are true, we look to a God who is bigger than our plans, bigger than our ways, who we can trust. And often his ways happen, not in the earthquakes, not in the fire, not in the great whirlwind, but in a quiet, still, small way. Jesus, remember, said, how does the kingdom of God grow? Think of a mustard seed. The smallest of all seeds, but then grows into this huge, giant tree. And the growth happens in a way that we can't see. Underground, um, really subtle, but it keeps on growing. Don't write off God. Don't think he isn't working when he is. A God who won't break his promise, the God who is faithful to the end, and when all else fails, he is still working, even if we can't work out what he is doing. Now, it's not the only time we see Elijah up a mountain in the Bible, just as we come to close. Do you remember where Jesus took three disciples up a mountain? And he took his three disciples up there, and there he revealed his glory to them, the Mount Transfiguration. And who's there? Who appears? You've got Moses and Elijah. And when we look at who Jesus is, do you see what that shows us about God? In our darkness this morning, in our struggles, remember we've got a tender God, and Jesus shows us that so clearly, doesn't he? One who knows our frame, one who knows what it's like to go through what we're going through. One who collapsed under the weight of pressure and grief and darkness in the Garden of Gethsemane. One who understands exactly what you're going through. <coughs> one who said, is there any other way? I don't understand in one sense what's going on. Is there any other way? But Jesus trusted to the end. He's been under immense pressure and kept going. This is how Hebrews 4 puts it. Since we have a great high priest who's passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who is in every respect been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, 
that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. We've got a tender God, look at Jesus. We've got a big God. Many, as I said, expected Jesus to come in power, but he came in the weakness of a baby. They expected him to crush the Romans, but instead the Romans crushed him in one sense. And he laid down his life. See, he came and he did it in a way we didn't expect, but that was the way that was going to save us. His plans are greater than ours. He works in the way, instead of going up, the way is the way down, and that's the path to victory. And we have got a God who is faithful, and Jesus shows us that. The one who has promised to never let us down. The one who has promised to be with us through thick and thin, and he always will be. He kept his word, and we can trust him. So this morning, if you're struggling, take a look at Jesus, because there we see we've got a tender God who loves you dearly, and who might be saying to you today, just rest, talk to me spend time with me we've got a big god who works things out bigger than our plans in a way we don't expect and we can trust him to do that and we've got a god who is faithful to the end maybe for the first time this morning you need to say i need this jesus i need him in my life well you can turn to him the offer is open for anybody to come and know and trust and follow and i pray that every one of us would leave here today knowing this god who is our god let's spend a few moments in silence before we sing our last song as we come to uh, reflect on what we've heard, let's pray and think um, what God is saying to us today before I pray. Father in heaven, we pray that you would help us to know your help and your presence in our needs today we thank you for the lord jesus we thank you as we look at him we see what you are like and we pray that instead of keeping a distance this morning we would draw close and we pray this in jesus name amen